0: Speaking of UConn, they got Arkansas. I can't wait for this. I, I, It's funny. There's, like, no game that I'm not looking forward to, but this is definitely near the top for me right now.
1: I completely agree. Like, I think Princeton gets smashed this week, guys.
0: I haven't so bet against I. them. It feels like it's just it, it's run its course. They're, well, I think they're, like, ten-and-a-half point dogs now at this point, aren't they?
2: Nine-and-a-half.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm considering grabbing that one and fading them.
2: But, I, I don't know if I would do that. I mean, that's a total stay away from me, but that's not what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. yeah. UConn's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Total's 140-and-a-half right now against Arkansas. That is the second game, the 7-15 Eastern game on Thursday. I can't wait. I, man, I'll tell you what. Connecticut is playing like a national champion now, which at the beginning of the season, that's what we were talking about. They're they're a, just a dominant-looking team right now. And Sonogo is an absolute monster. A monster.
1: Yeah, solid game. I bet them to win. I
0: did bet them to win the title. UConn, I know I lost some did. of the value, but I did. I, I did do it.
1: I, I'm excited to talk about this game because I feel like I'm on the wrong side. I know I'm on the opposite side of you, kind of, but not really. So I took UConn on the uh, money line here, and I grabbed that on Sunday or on Monday morning right mm-hmm. away. They've won 8 out of 10 games. I'm with you, Nick. I have them in my final four uh, in one bracket. They're shooting 45% from three-point land in this tournament. They look really good right now. They play up to their competition, which I really like. Even I'm not the biggest trends guy, but they're 5-1 against the spread in their last six games against teams with winning records, which means something to me because they get up for the big games. Because I completely agree, you know, earlier on we were talking about it. It looked like mid-season they got bored. Like, they got off to a really hot start, and then it seemed like they got bored. I just I don't know about this matchup because when Arkansas plays up to their potential, they have two potential lottery picks. They just have dudes. And UConn like they don't they don't really send teams to the foul line. I just don't know how this matchup works out because Arkansas really relies on going to the rim, getting fouled, getting to the charity stripe, and UConn just doesn't put teams on the on, on the on the free throw line. So I don't know how they get buckets here. But I do like UConn here. I, I'm I'm gonna stick with them. What do you got,
0: Trista?
2: Yeah, the thing that I I think about in this game is really just coaching. Eric Musselman finds ways to make things really difficult for you. We talked about Jordan Hawkins, how important it's going to be for him to light it up from three. This team, I really, really like Anthony Black, and more so Jordan Walsh, I think, who's a freshman, is just a lockdown defender. So I'm curious about that matchup. I'm curious how the the center sort of like, because Makai Mitchell's, their center for Arkansas, very undersized. Is he going to be matched up against Sunogo or are they going to mm-hmm. put this kid Klingon in who's a 7'2 player? Like, I think maybe you'll get more Klingon. Maybe you'll have Klingon and Sunogo in at the same time. But at the, at, at the one thing that I can say is four and a half feels like too many. That's well, it. That just that just feels like too
1: many. And I agree. Like, what scares me the most, now that I can hear myself, UConn, they run, like, half of their offense through the post. 10% yep. of their yep. offensive possessions. And Arkansas is top 15 defensively in points per possession, a lot on post-ups. So that's what scares me a little bit. Like, this seems like a bad matchup, actually, for UConn, but I do think that they're the better team. They're the hotter team, obviously. Yeah. You know, Arkansas, they kept blowing those big leads late in the season, late down the stretch in the SEC, four of five games. They blew double-digit leads. Unfortunately, in the SEC tournament, we were on them in one of those games. Terrible beat. I think the under's a good look here, too. I agree. I agree. But I like UConn on the money line. I played it pretty small. Now the price is kind of out of hand. I might actually buy back some Arkansas four and a half, some five. I think that this is going to be a game that comes down to the wire just because they match up so well with each other.
0: I'm concerned about Nick Smith. Does he play? Is he even, like, I don't it? think
2: they play. I don't think they play him much.
0: I think that's that's a big loss for them, somebody you thought was going to be a big return in that last right. Game. right like when they get him back you thought that was going to actually be a difference maker for them and that hasn't been the case the the thing too though man mean, shooting not the ball well from three 22 of 47 they're really good at offensive cleaning the offensive glass getting second and third opportunities at times and then Sonogo again I mean the guys at what 39 points combined in his first two games had 13 rebounds and a block against Iona yeah. another eight boards in a block against St. Mary's now I understand the Arkansas is different than those two programs. I understand that, but this is somebody that's on a, on a complete tear right now, no, and a team right. that's found an absolute rhythm. I mean, so is Arkansas. Arkansas certainly played well too. I, I kind of give UConn the edge, but it's this is one of those games where yeah, you can you can kind of go either way. It's less about like with the Michigan State game, it felt like oh, there, there's a lot of confidence in Michigan State on the the Izzo side of things. This is more about. It's less about the coaching for me. A little Muscleman, yes, that does have a resume to make you feel confident in what he can do in tournament games. But it's just more about the way these two teams are playing right now where this feels like it come down to like a one-possession game. I mean, that's
1: a good point. Uh, they, they step up in class here, but they have a plus-29 rebounding advantage these first two tournament yep. games. They look really good right now. The thing that... I might live bet this game, too. Like, look for a better number to see how it's officiated. Remember Arkansas against Gonzaga last year? Chet was in foul trouble. Like, that's why they knocked him out of the tournament. Chet couldn't play because he couldn't stay out of foul trouble. He was on the bench the majority of that game. And like I said, like, Arkansas, they rely on getting to the free-throw line. So I want to see who's getting the whistle because UConn, they send teams to the free-throw line outside the top 100. They just don't really foul. Like, they don't send teams to the charity stripe. And Arkansas does a really good job of getting those whistles. So we'll see how they yeah, officiate and this game.
2: on the other side, when they played Kansas, you saw Makai Mitchell foul out. Yeah. And so that was when it got really dicey is they had to go to their second and third guys in, in down low and you're thinking to yourself, okay, like is that Brazil going there, or like you know who was really good for them that had only I think four points in the first half, had 21 in the second half? Is Devonte Davis? Mm-hmm. He was the one who stepped in for Nick Smith. Nick Smith sitting on the bench, in his feelings, completely neutralized. And we know that he's been highly touted, seen as like the kind of the chosen one on this Arkansas team, and is now basically not really a, a contributor at all. Is was that a flash in the pan? for Devontae Davis, or is he someone that you can rely on to to score along with Ricky Council? Because Ricky Council and him together were kind of a one-two punch.
1: I think he could get it done, to be honest with you. Like, he played 33 minutes per game. He gave you double figures, 11 points. He gave you four four rebounds. I think when he takes on a bigger role, like, he can be that guy. And I love the ball in Ricky Council's hands. Like, when you need a big Good bucket. mid-range player. There's no moment too big for him right now. Led the team in scoring this year. Really like him. I mean, they got guys.
0: I,
2: I think this is going to be a close one. I really do. It, it's an it's going to be an ugly, ugly game in mm-hmm. my opinion.
0: I, I like your idea too of live betting. Yeah, and I, I really like that in some of the early games. I did that and came out you know on, on top in, in multiple games where I just sat there and it's some it's, sometimes it's the officiating, but it's also the pace. Like I want to see how the games played, and for some teams, you know that matters more than others, or how are, are outside shots falling early on. Like so, for example, listen, you go to the next game. We're talking about FAU and, and Tennessee. It's a completely different matchup in terms of, like, Tennessee's a a five-and-a-half point favorite. Get that. The total actually went down slightly now, 129-and-a-half. It was uh, 130-and-a-half a a little bit earlier. But FAU is a big three-point shooting team. Tennessee is the best three-point defense in the country. Yeah. Who's going to show early that they've got the advantage between those two?
2: Again, great, great spot. And I took the five-and-a-half. But I can understand why someone would say, I want to wait and see what the officiating is like. Mm -hmm. Because... As we we had on you know, multiple people so far this week, everybody's talking about how much bully ball that they played for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Do referees say, well, you're not going to play bully ball under my watch. We're going to get a more fluid style of play. No and, more making
0: f- people's face bleed.
2: Yeah, so if that ends up happening and you see, oh, okay, there's going to be some quick whistles, then maybe you want to go ahead and take some FAU right mm-hmm. away. You know, Just see how it goes. Or if they let him play super physical, maybe you want to live bet the under, or you want to live bet Tennessee in the first half.
0: I FAU is also point. the smallest team in the country. Yeah. They're, they're are actually, a really small team, and Tennessee's huge. It's the, grown
1: men. They're the smallest team in the country, and they're the fifth smallest team to make the tournament in NCAA tournament yeah. history. And now they have to go against Tennessee, who just absolutely bullied Duke. Like, I knew that game was over four minutes in, because that's yes. how you beat Duke. That's how you beat Gonzaga. Going back to Gonzaga really quick. Like, those teams, they can score, they have future pros. They run a really fun style of offense. They like to get out and transition, but when you punch them in the mouth when you're physical, like they just check out, and that's that's what scares me a little bit. I'm with Trista, though. I grabbed the number at five and a half. I like the number. I don't necessarily love the matchup because of what you said, Nick. Tennessee is the number one team in the nation defending the three-point line. The only thing is, like if FAU's hitting their shots, 43% of their field goal attempts come from three-point range. They're also 22nd and three-point attempts, so they're going to chuck. The only thing that makes me feel okay about that is just how bad the three-point shooting was in the SEC this year, other than Alabama, the worst three-point shooting conference in the country. So, yeah, they're the best team defending the three-point line, but they also defend the three-point line against the worst three-point shooting conference in the country. Yeah, so so how
2: how good are they?
1: Exactly, but also how good is FAU? You know, they haven't played any top 50 team in the country except for Memphis. In the first round, and Memphis was all banged up in that game. And they had just, the week before, won the conference championship over Houston. So that was kind of a sleepy spot for them. They couldn't cover against Fairleigh Dickinson, unfortunately. They were actually trailing by five late in the first half in that game. So Tennessee's a huge step up in class. It comes down to, I like the number, if they're hitting shots, they're going to cover, maybe win outright. But if they have a game like Utah State did, where they're two of sixteen from three, they're screwed because they're not going to get easy buckets in the paint against that Tennessee defense. No,
2: and I think the question too, and you could say this is, you know, we've had one game of Tennessee looking dominant, and now everyone just wants to right. anoint them as a right. Final Four team or a real contender. Yeah, they couldn't cover for against Louisiana for them. I think exactly. the, phys- the
0: physicality is different though because of FAU's lack of size. That's but again. That depends on how the game's officiated. If these refs saw that last game and said, oh, that's not happening here, we're not having guys get stitches in the middle of the game, and they start calling fouls early, that's going to take Tennessee out of their game. And you can't sit there and lay out guys taking threes. It's one reason why Steph Curry doesn't have to be big. He can shoot from 35 feet out. Now, that's an extreme example. Obviously, FAU doesn't have any Steph Currys there, but they shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. And you you can't go tackling somebody on the three-point line and play a physical brand of basketball out there. So if I'm FAU... I am spreading the floor and I'm taking as many shots from the outside as I can and I'm taking Tennessee away from that physical type of basketball because they just can't do it on the perimeter.
1: Problem is if they're missing their shots too, they're probably not going to be on the offensive glass. No, they're not going to get many defensive rebounds. So better make their shots. And if you look at their two losses, two of their losses this season, so Memphis beat them and then UAB and both teams just killed them on the glass. They won the rebounding battle by a pretty wide margin and they beat them inside, inside points. So that's That's the concern. Obviously, a small team, Cinderella-type story. I mean, kind of. They're a 30-win team. Mm -hmm. They've been one of the better teams in the country. I love watching them. They're a fun style. But if they can't hit their shots, they're screwed. But I'm grabbing the number because I'd make it four.
2: Yeah, and the question that I have is they've got Vladislav Golden. He's their only big man. He's seven one. Like, is he going to be able to snatch some boards? Because, you know, outside of Euros Plotspec, which only gets, like, 19% of the possessions, like, they're not particularly tall either, Tennessee. There's not uh, the, Julian Phillips is 6'8". Everybody else... Uh, Olivia... I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's <laughs> six na- he's 6'9". But other than that, there's some small guys on Tennessee, too, in terms of height.
0: Yeah. UC- UCLA's got a big team, too, up against Gonzaga. Uh, UCLA's a one-and-a-half point favorite. Total's at 145-and-a-half there. I mean, UCLA's one of the teams that I bet during the regular season to win the national title. I think their size against Drew Timmy is going to be a lot different than what you saw against TCU. And I just... Gonzaga's been kind of weak defensively. That that concerns me. Not concerns me because I actually want UCLA to win. So uh, I think that's really one of the advantages that uh, you know that, that UCLA has over Gonzaga is that Gonzaga's just not that good defensively right now.
2: I think the thing for me is that Gonzaga's going to want to get out and push the pace. Mm-hmm. And UCLA is, is not good in transition defense whatsoever. And if Gonzaga can come out and get defensive rebounds and push – it it could get ugly really fast. I think UCLA's best bet is to make this a slog. Mm-hmm. So I think UCLA sort of correlates with the under. If you think UCLA yes. is going to win, I would I would do that. I think that really all that's the main matchup for me is like pace, tempo, mm-hmm. transition uh, offense and and points for Gonzaga.
1: I completely agree. Like, Look at their five losses this season. Purdue and St. Mary's both outside the top 300 in pace. Baylor outside the top 200. Loyola outside the top 80. And then Texas now outside the top 100. I completely agree. Like, If UCLA plays their brand of basketball, slows things down, again plays physical with a guy like Drew Timmy, he gets in foul trouble. I think they're screwed. And the Zags just don't have the guard play they had the last couple of years. Yep. Jalen Suggs yeah. ain't walking in that door. No. Even if he does he hasn't hit a shot He's... since he hit that game winner anyway. He's oh been a terrible
0: these things we should talk more about this game for sure
2: there's a lot Yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah and there's a couple of there's a couple of trends if you will that certainly lean uh ucla's way when it comes to this as well